Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, uh, Alistair Morgan. Welcome to the Press Gazette Journalism Matters podcast. Thanks, Doug. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I've known you for a long time, and uh, your story uh, is one that we've touched on in Press Gazette over the years. Um, it's a, a hell of a story. Yeah, I even wrote a piece uh, some time back. That's right. Um, it's a hell of a story, a terrible story. Um, 30 years ago, your, your brother Daniel murdered in a South London pub car park. Um, and it's a story that Prescott's been interested in because um, it's been there's close links with um, journalistic corruption uh, and police corruption uh, uh, going back a long time. And so thanks for coming on. And, and we've got your uh, partner with us, Kirstine. Welcome. Hey. Uh, BBC journalist on a career break. Yeah. Um, you're going to chip in if that's all right. Sure. Um, and the reason you're on is that you've got this book out, Untold. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, 30 years on, um, read the book. Congratulations! I mean, it's a great read. I'd recommend it to anyone. Thank you. Um, the um, so you know, first off, you know, um, how did it come about, um, and and, and uh, how does it feel to have this have this story down now there? Well, it's great to have it out there. It's absolutely, it feels like a huge weight off my mind to have it out there, and it started about I suppose about four years ago. Uh, I'd already written a whole mass of stuff, you know, and nobody was interested. And I met Peter Jukes, and a couple of years back we we started talking about a drama, uh, writing, because his background is in TV drama, we started talking about writing a drama, and we were working on that for a few months on and off, you know, and then Peter and his friend Dee, Dee Mayer, came up with the idea of uh, a podcast, and we crowdfunded it, and it was a huge success. It was incredibly popular, wasn't it? I mean, do you know how many downloads it had in the end? It was... I don't know. I think over four million, something like that. Wow. And... This, in turn, created the appetite for a, for a book. There was a bidding war, actually, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a bid- bidding war for the book. Oh, wow. And I gave Peter what I'd written, and he came at it from a, from a very useful angle, from my perspective, because he, he was 
he had a huge knowledge of the Murdoch news empire and the, the two things kind of interlocked and he also he was also able to take over so uh, you decided to write it together yeah we decided to write it together because I'd found when writing myself that to carry uh, that narrative of 30 years as a as a brother and narrator, so to speak, I found it really, really difficult, technically, you know, in, in terms of writing it. And he was able to take over the kind of dispassionate, journalistic voice. And talk about what was going on at the time, because we didn't find out so many things until years and years later. So he'd been able to sort of fill in what we called idcats, I didn't know at the time. So it helped hugely structurally and let you tell the story as you experienced it. Yeah, that's right. As I, as I, as I, uh, when we were doing the drama, we came up, we came up with this little acronym uh, because one of the problems was that I would find out fifteen years later something that had happened you know, 15 years before, and it's te- it was terribly difficult to kind of work that yeah. through a narrative. And and so it it, it it just helped structurally, really, you know, hugely to, to, to work through that, you know. And for those who don't know the story, can you just um, praise it as much as you can? Yeah. I mean, obviously the murder itself is a, a terrible thing, but it's what's happened since which has made this such a terrible story and, and one which no-one disputes has been mired in police corruption and media footballing yeah. Yeah. Well, as well. You, you wouldn't mind. My brother was a private investigator and he started a company called Southern Investigations with a partner called Jonathan Reese many, many years ago, 30 years ago. No, 35 years ago or thereabouts. And the partnership was in crisis, you know, for various reasons, which we go into in the book. Uh, And then suddenly my brother was murdered, found axed to death in the car park of a pub in South London. And, which was, of course, a horrible, you know, trauma shock for, for my whole family. And I found out very quickly that the police investigation was corrupted. And I protested and I tried to do everything I could to uh, draw the attention of the of the authorities to this, but nobody was interested. And um, there have been five failed investigations into this case. And I, it, in fact, it's the most investigated murder in British history. Well, so I haven't been able to find out. No. No, to my knowledge, anyway, no, I don't think there's ever been a murder that's been investigated five times. So, um, and your brother's partner has been was arrested several times. As was a police. As officer. as were several police officers, but in the first investigation, and one of which, yeah, some, one of yeah, one of them, and one of whom later went into partnership, a key officer on the murder squad, went into partnership with my brother's partner. And after the murder, Southern Investigations became 
a hub of ex-bent police officers serving bent police officers and serving bent police officers and an interface between the underworlds and also started a huge business in illegal information selling much of which was sold to um, newspapers what, and what sort of things were Southern Investigations doing for the uh, Red Tops? It, it was the News of the World and the Mirror titles, wasn't That's it? That's right. Bank details, private... Um, so blagging. Blagging. They were involved in recordings, covert recordings of people, stings of various kinds. Uh, David Meller, they were involved in the uh, David Meller... Uh, Antonia Sanchez um, revelation. Uh, they were involved in the Paddy Pants down in the uh, revelation. In terms in of which, in which, yeah. In terms of surveillance or yes, so, surveillance. Um, they was they were involved allegedly in the sale of the information from in the, on the Paddy Pants down case. Mm. And they also worked closely with um, the fake Sheikh um, Mazam Mahmood. Um, so, yeah, there was a long history of dealing with the tabloids. And so, as much as you can, what, what's the, the, what do you think may have um, been the media involvement, if any, in your brother's actual murder? Well, this is what we don't know, and this is the troubling bit. But they have certainly been involved in subsequent investigations, probably most famously, obviously, in the fourth murder investigation where News of the World or News of the World journalists journalists, um, put the officer in charge of the murder under surveillance, which is quite mind-bending. Dave Cook. Yeah. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and that that brings us on... to another interesting aspect of the case, isn't it? Because Dave, Dave Cook, um, we led the was it the fourth in- investigation, fourth and fifth, which which, which takes us what into the two uh, thousands. Yes, um, he uh, he was unhappy, wasn't he, about what the, uh, some of the, some of the things he found out, and uh, we reported in press gazette that he leaked, uh, believed to have leaked information to journalists. Um, we I think we would see him as a, as a whistleblower. Um, well, there was certainly no money involved. Yeah, and uh, you know he found himself arrested, didn't he? Rather, he did. Yeah. I mean, and is that a, a, a kind of a story that's carried through about people, uh, you know, the, the Met trying to cover up rather than uh, get to the root of the problem? And the strange thing is, is he was arrested the day before he was about to become a core participant at the Leveson inquiry. So it is tempting to think or to wonder if he'd been silenced because of how just what he could have revealed. And we don't know, as you say, you don't know really what the media involvement in any was in the actual murder, but the why do you think your brother was murdered? What's the... I believe that he had found information about uh, very serious police corruption involving links between police officers and major drug dealers in South London. And it's not just what you think, that is what the prosecution 
um, in 2009 would have been based on had it gone to trial. But of course the trial collapsed um, because of problems with disclosure. And this was the trial of Jonathan Reach, about his business partner, Sid Fillery, the police officer on the murder squad. And the Vian brothers, um, Glenn and Gary Vian. Gary Vian was alleged to be the lookout. Glenn Vian was alleged to have actually wielded the axe and another um, man called um, Jimmy Jimmy James Cook, who was uh, allegedly the getaway driver. That trial collapsed, didn't it, before before it could even... Yeah, after 18, well, over... There was a period of 18 months um, pre-trial hearings that I was at every day. And I think, though again, it's difficult to be absolutely sure that that is the longest ever pre-trial hearings before. But the case collapsed because, largely because of um, problems with disclosure with the police. And we lost witnesses because of that. And eventually we ran out of witnesses. Uh, I wasn't allowed to attend this pre-trial hearing. So I was there. So Kirsty, yeah, but I couldn't talk to you. I wasn't. No, she wasn't allowed to tell me about it, <laughs> which was stressful. Yeah. So you you trained as a journalist yourself, Alice? Didn't I did, you? yeah. Uh, back in what the nineties or yeah, early nineties, yeah. Um, and what was that? I I did it in despair, really, because um, I'd completely lost faith in the police by that point. And I thought, well, you know, I had in my... This was back in the times when, you know, the Sunday Times was um, famous for its thalidomide uh, expose and the porn squad in the, in, the, in the 70s. And I thought, you know, um, I needed to get into that world because I felt that they, journalists needed, to, were the ones that only ones that could help me, if you, so to speak. And of course, little did you know at that no, time... No, I had no idea at that time of what was going on in some investigations. You know, it was a bizarre. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Situation. And what's been your experience of um, getting journalists interested in this story from the, from the outset and, and subsequently over the years? Because I think, you know, yeah. any, anyone could see that this is a, a good story. Yeah. Well, it well, took a very long time for people to see that. When we were first together... 23, 4 years ago you used to phone bash and try and try and try and get journalists interested but largely they weren't and to be fair it was largely because of the libel laws I mean trying to say anything about police corruption was very difficult journalistically I mean I think at the time the Guardian had lost was it 24 cases no, 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 94 cases have been lost, lost. by newspapers. Police Federation were yeah, police, highly litigious, yeah. highly litigious. Yeah, and, exactly. and I think they've never lost, have they, until a case of the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, nobody was interested, you know, or it was incredibly frustrating. And the Welsh TV were good. 
ITV Wales did a doc in the early 90s and have done several. Because you're, you're Or BBC Welsh. Wales, because, because we're Welsh, you know. They, they had a kind of local interest, but the London media didn't want to touch it, you know. So when did you first start getting uh, some uh, press and, and media interest? Um, in the national press, Duncan Campbell from The Guardian was the first one to... Well, of course, the inquest was um, copiously covered by the press. That was in 88. Um, but then, after that, it just completely went dead. And I lobbied and lobbied and lobbied. Uh, initially, I lived in Hampshire. My MP wasn't interested. And then when I moved to London, I got my own MP, Chris Smith, interested in it. And then... I was able to get on the news demonstrating outside the police complaints authority and uh, but it's been a, it's been a real real struggle to get media interest and that the, what has really changed the the first time you really got sustained media interest was actually because of the link with the media while um the failed trial was at the old bailey in in 2009 the hacking scandal was beginning to break and become a bigger and bigger story. And then journalists became very interested because of Jonathan Rees and Sidney Fillory's involvement, particularly with News of the World. So while I was in court the Old Bailey every day, I would be constantly getting calls from journalists wanting to know when this case was going to be over because then they could report Jonathan Rees's links with News of the World, and of course they couldn't until the trial collapsed. And I think um, it's fair to say that um, various journalists have sort of dipped into the story. Of oh, these, absolutely, they? absolutely. Um, Mike Sullivan at the Sun, I think, has yeah. written stuff about mm. it, and uh, the Daily Mail were quite keen on this story for, for, for a little while, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what? Why do you think it's not something that's? I suppose. I think there is. Press embarrassment is one of the factors. Because if you dig into it, then you find how many... Uh, how, for example, the Red Tops, how deeply involved they were with the suspects for so many years. And it, it's embarrassing for journalism. It isn't... It, it, you can hardly say that it's been journalism's finest hour, this case. You but, know. And we know this for sure, because we were at summer event with lots of journalists... And we're introduced to a mirror journalist who said, oh, your brother's case is fascinating, it's really interesting. Um, come and talk to me about it sometime. But I can't actually write about it. It's, it's too, too political. political. And to be fair to journalists, though, it is a very difficult story to tell. It doesn't fit in to a neat cue on the BBC or a short news piece. Because it is just so complicated, and that, in a sense, is why the book has been really important. Is because it allows the space. Because where the story is interesting is in the detail, and you just can't do that in a normal news piece. Or even even an hour long documentary. No, no, no. It needs a book, you know, and that's finally what we've managed to do here. To be fair. Lots of journalists over the years have, have done a little bit here and a little bit there, wanting to help, 
but as you know, it's such a huge story in terms of the detail and the length and the scope of it. But that has been enough to just, it was a lifeline in a sense. It kept it from just disappearing completely from the public eye. But again, you know, from my point of view, I had to fight like a dog to get that, you know. Just the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is yeah. that social media's been quite useful as well, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, you, you've really got your own voice now on this, haven't you? I mean, how many followers have you got now on Twitter? The I've got about 40,000, something like that, in the region of 40,000. And in my campaign for a public inquiry, that was fantastic. That was fantastic, because I spent a whole year almost doing nothing but that, you know, on social media, uh, meeting journalists, trying to get them to write something about it. And, and here and there... I was successful, and enough just to keep it from disappearing completely from view. So what are the key um, revelations you think in the book as regards the sort of um, uh, the media side of the story? It's the interaction between the senior levels of the police, of the Metropolitan Police, and senior levels of the news of the world, uh, the various meetings the timing of those meetings, what happened after those meetings, what happened before them. This this is the really, really interesting bit, in my view. And the uh, the fact that Chief Superintendent Dave Cook, who led you know, one of the inquiries in, in, into the murder, was, was put under surveillance by the news of the world. That was... Yeah, that all came out at the Levison inquiry uh, when his wife, Jackie Haynes, gave evidence. And that was... a extraordinary uh, state of affairs because she uh, said that she had come to the conclusion that the journalists from the News of the World were colluding with the murder suspects in doing that. So, you know, you've got that and then you've got this whole history of 20 years plus, 25 years of interaction and business involvement, commercial relationships between the suspects and senior journalists of the news of the world, and you think, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. So, uh, and I believe we still haven't got to the bottom of that. Yeah, yeah. And were any of those um, uh, individuals um, asked to testify at the, the public inquiry, or have they not, not got into that? Well, I mean... They've been asked. They've been asked. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. So where are we with the inquiry? That's This is a, a Hillsborough-style panel, which yeah. has been investigating the, the, sto- the whole thing for, what, how many, three, four years now, is it? Or? Four years. Um, we're expecting them to report next year. In the spring of next year. Well, early next year. Early next year. And there have been various delays for one reason or another. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to get the, the book out. Because originally we planned to publish it after the report. And then the report was delayed by another year. And my mother's 89 years old. We've got... So the, you wanted the book I wanted the book out. Up, so that she can see it. And 
it like in some way a memorial to my brother, you know, the book. And um, you know, I wanted it as part of the debate on the sky bid and the you know the outstanding issue of Leveson too. I want I wanted it to be out in the public domain as a input into those issues. You're keen for. Uh, Leveson 2 to go ahead, aren't you? And Le- Leveson 2 is the was well, kind of the, the it's the it's the investigation into phone hacking, isn't it? In, 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 into uh, police involvement and uh... yeah. More importantly for us, it is the police involvement because for very good reasons, obviously because of the court cases that couldn't be dealt with um, in, with Leveson one, and this case would fit ideally into Leveson two. Yeah. And, and, and there are judicial powers, you see. They can subpoena witnesses. A panel can't do that. I mean, panel has great strengths in different ways, but it can't do what a judicial-led inquiry can do. So you want those two to go ahead, uh, and you think what you think it, it might be a way of getting... Exactly. Outstanding issues that, that remain from this case. Well, the it, media issues. Yeah, the media. Poli- media slash police issues. Because the panel has no power to compel Rupert Murdoch to, or not Rupert, but you know, has no power to compel news and Disclosure. world journalists to disclose further material. You actually had some contact from Rupert Murdoch, didn't you? Didn't you, didn't you, put, didn't you put, put I wrote him a, a couple of years ago and he said that he had no, he hadn't heard about this and um, our book casts doubt on that, mm. and uh, that they would cooperate fully, but that remains to be seen. So, what now for the future? What, what's your hope? Do you think, in, in terms of what what may come out of the panel and the prospect of a successful prosecution? Well, successful prosecution is a remote possibility. I think after the the mess that the case has become legally but more of the truth really it's about accountability now isn't it yeah I mean yeah accountability what happened in those investigations mm. in detail you know it's not about who murdered Daniel it is the way it has been handled and hopefully well it is about who murdered Daniel well, you know but but, but it, it it also, the, the, the thing that's troubled me from the very outset has been the police corruption. That needs to be looked at very closely. And in particular, we've got this fusion between police and media corruption, which is troubling. And in terms of getting it all down and on the record in the book, uh, were you able to do that, or have you had to be legally still fairly careful in what you can and can't write? Well, obviously, you know, we have to be legally careful, you know, uh, but I think we've been very successful in getting as much of the story out as we possibly can in legal terms. What we haven't been able to do um, is say what we know from the panel, and there is a lot more that we now know about particularly the first investigation, which is why I think there's going to be another print run after the panel report. Yeah, because after the panel the, report, we plan to... Um, there is a lot. A, a new edition yeah. to come out then. OK, well, more, lots more revelations to come. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is not over by a long way. Well, look, thanks very much for sharing that that with us. I mean, it is a, it is a fascinating story, and I hope, I hope the book does really well. Thanks, and, and uh, you know, Thank I'm, you. Sh- I'm sure it's going to get lots of coverage because it, you know, it deserves it. And you know, th- th- thanks for coming on the uh, podcast. Thank you, Tom. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.